Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. On Primetime Politics tonight, the vaccine confusion intensifies. The Prime Minister urges Canadians to get a shot as soon as possible even after the National Advisory Committee on Immunization cautions against taking the Johnson & Johnson or AstraZeneca vaccines. We'll get some advice from an expert on vaccine hesitancy, and MPs will debate the latest developments. And a Conservative motion calling for the firing of the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff over the handling of the Vance allegations is doomed to fail. So where does that leave the search for more accountability? But we will begin tonight with the continuing fallout over vaccine safety. The Prime Minister and Health Canada officials were busy today trying to reassure Canadians about the safety of all vaccines approved for use in Canada. That comes on the heels of the latest advice from Canada's Advisory Committee of Vaccine Experts that has resulted in reactions ranging from bewilderment to condemnation. NACI experts have suggested anyone who thinks they're at lesser risk from COVID might want to opt for the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine instead of the Johnson & Johnson or AstraZeneca vaccines because of extremely rare cases of blood clots. That contradicts the months of advice from Health Canada to take the first vaccine available. Today, the Prime Minister and the country's Chief Public Health Officer were again telling Canadians to get the first vaccine shot they can. Every single vaccine administered in Canada has been judged by Health Canada as being safe and effective. The impact of catching COVID are far greater uh, and far deadlier, as we've seen across the country, um, than uh, potential side effects, which, although serious, are rare. If you're asked to take your turn, please do so Um, and line up. I think that's the bottom line. Well, let's follow up now on the confusion or contradiction of the overall messaging on vaccines. I'm joined by three members of Parliament. Steve McKinnon is the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Procurement, who's responsible for the vaccine supply in this country. Eric Duncan is the Question Period Coordinator for the Official Opposition Conservatives. And Don Davies is the Health Critic for the NDP. Good to see you all, gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Good evening. Uh, Steve McKinnon, let me start with you. The Prime Minister did his best today to set aside any concerns Canadians might have over vaccine safety by saying he has no regrets for taking the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, Full disclosure, I have had it myself. Uh, But the Prime Minister telling Canadians, look, get vaccinated as soon as you can. But the fact is, the panel of expert advisors is telling Canadians AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson not the preferred vaccines and that some Canadians shouldn't rush to get them. Why isn't there a uniform message coming from the Government of Canada and the experts on vaccines? Well, there is a uniform message coming from the Government of Canada, and that is that the portfolio of vaccines that we've assembled is safe, it is effective. That has been confirmed by real-world clinical trials and then, of course, real-world application. And if you've had it, Peter, and the Prime Minister have had it, that makes three of us because I also have taken the AstraZeneca vaccine and was very grateful to have gotten it. The um, fact is that uh, we know that these vaccines show us the end of this pandemic. We know that where they have been, uh, where we have been inoculating uh, millions of people 
that they have been setting this disease back. And uh, that is what we want. That's what we're going to continue to do. And we will do that with all of the vaccines available to us, all of which, again, have been judged as safe and effective. Mr. Duncan, if there is a communication problem, how do you fix it? Well, good question, Peter. And even I'm finding a lot of frustration. I think this is leading some Canadians to have vaccine hesitancy whenever they have the panel come out in the morning. And then in the afternoon, the the prime minister uh, and others in the health minister are saying different things. A few days ago, it was take the first vaccine that's offered to you. Now we hear in the second answer and question period today, the health minister say, well, check with your physician. Uh, I'm all, I can't wait to get my vaccine. I know and it's great seeing the photos of, of more people in my riding and region getting them as well but it's very frustrating to see there needs to be one clear consistent message from uh, health canada from the leadership of this country about what to do and not coming out contradicting creating confusion clarifying later that day and peter this is not the first time it's happened either i keep saying you, you learn from your mistakes and i feel like time and time again when it comes to this we're repeating the same mistakes over again of not having the federal government give a clear direction okay. and leadership on this. Mr. Davies, how big of a problem is this messaging on vaccines? And if it is a problem, what does the government do to fix it? Well, it's certainly a problem. Um, I'm hoping it's not a huge problem. Um, and, you know, as it, it, this isn't the first time. I mean, of course, I'm on the health committee, and so we've had NASI appear before us on a number of occasions. And quite honestly, about a month ago, they had very confusing messaging on AstraZeneca. In fact, they changed their position three times in this in the space of 14 days and that's not helpful i I will grant this to steve i think the government has been consistent in their messaging i mean their their message hasn't changed which is take any vaccine that comes to you and they're all safe and i think that's true um what is confusing though is when the nasi which upon whose expertise they rely when they give contradictory changing and confusing messaging that is a problem and i don't think the government can have it both ways they often will tell us uh, rely on the experts, listen to the science, uh, uh, you know, don't don't second guess their judgment. But I, I, I think Canadians are legitimately confused right now when when, yeah. you know, the, the national group that's advising on immunization is changing their position and giving contrary, contradictory and information th- from that of the government. Yeah, there's a lot of experts on this across the country and a lot of them appear on, on this channel and other channels on, a, on an ongoing basis. Uh, um, and largely the messaging is the same, but there are sometimes different messages. And I, I, Mr. McKinnon, I guess I'm wondering, is this competing in advice on vaccines or at least um, differences of opinion on what vaccine to take? Is it necessarily a bad thing or is this the result of bringing lots of advice, contradictory as it sometimes might be, to the table and promising a transparent vaccine process? Well, again, I, 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 I'm going to belabor this point for a moment. The fact is that these vaccines are safe and they're effective. We see in the UK, which has virtually relied solely on the AstraZeneca vaccine, we see the results it's having there. We see the results that other vaccines are having in other jurisdictions. So we have uh, the best possible evidence because it's right before our eyes that these vaccines show us the way out of this pandemic. They keep you from getting sick. They keep you from going to the hospital. 
and they uh, should be taken just as quickly. Right, as, but I guess, uh, I guess what I'm asking is this: is this what you get if you want an open process? You're going to have some experts saying, Indeed. you know what, there's a different way to do this. The, the alternative well, is to say, Nasi, thanks for your time. Uh, we don't need your help anymore. We've we've got a communication policy here. Stand down. Uh, well, we're imposing a rigor on, on, on these processes, which are all, of course, unfolding before our eyes. Well, the miracle of modern science that is immunization, that is vaccine, is, is of course, uh, an evolving one because we are getting real-world, real-time data uh, every day uh, being f uh, put through the filter of the entire world's media. And, uh, and that's being interpreted, as you say, uh, Peter, by dozens and dozens and dozens of experts. So at any uh, given time, of course, you are going to have someone saying, uh, uh, someone offering an interpretation that may be a shade different okay. than the other. The important thing is, the important thing is, I do want to stress this, because this is very important. Okay. People watching this channel take these things very seriously. The Canadian regulator, Health Canada, which is among the world's finest regulators of vaccines and pharmaceuticals, has ruled that these vaccines are safe and effective and you should take the first one that's offered to you. All right, Mr. Mr. Duncan, um, do you think we need NACI? Do you think we need experts that at times may have a different point of view on the safety of a, of a vaccine or the application of a vaccine that's different than others at Health Canada? We need a clear communications plan, Peter. That, that's what we need. And I, I'm going to say... But on to get on that record, clear I... communications plan, do you tell the NACI people, we don't need your advice? I mean, they're going to speak out. That's their job. Well, there, but there should be, you know, but, but again, in different organizations, you have how the information's filtered and, and what is said uh, and communicated on this. And again, I'll, I'll, you know, take the line here. I think all three of us and our prospective parties want people to take the vaccine. We want to get past COVID like everybody does. But what this does is contribute to the chaos and the confusion. We've seen this before. So there needs to be one voice on the issue speaking to Canadians about vaccine safety and the recommendations, period. Not having to come out one morning a recommendation. And the government says, listen to the scientists. This is a panel of scientists and experts come out and says something. And the government says, well, don't really this or talk to your doctor. And it creates confusion. Oh, okay, and it, but I'm still not clear. Would you, would, you shut, would you shut down the NACI folks? Would you tell those experts, uh, you know, no more news conferences, no more giving your opinion, uh, leave that to Health Canada? Well, I would certainly say if I were the minister uh, in, in the department in the prime minister's office, I would be meeting with them and saying, look, this is not helping to getting more Canadians' confidence in getting vaccinated. We need to come up with a clear communications approach, one way, one message, one voice. How you get to that at the end of the day, that is inside baseball or internal. Oh. But there needs to be a All clear right. message. How that comes, Peter, I, I, you know, I, I think we could take a look at it. We can do better on it for sure. Okay, Mr. Mr. Davies, is, let me jump to Mr. Mr. Davies. Is NACI performing a useful function or is NACI getting in the way? I think a bit of both. Uh, I think they have played an important role. I mean, this is the National Advisory Committee on Immunization. Uh, they existed before the COVID crisis. It's yeah, made to be clear, of, they're made up of infectious disease experts, pharmacists. Mm -hmm. they're, they're a broad group of, of experts uh, that have been, and it's voluntary. Uh, they've yes. been called upon to advise the government. Yeah, and, you know, let, let's face it, uh, you know, I remember about a month ago, um, we had three different federal appointed bodies. You had the Canada's chief science officer, Dr. Mona Niemer, you had Health Canada, and you had NACI. All say three different things on AstraZeneca in the course of a week. 
And uh, Dr. Mona Nima, I thought, hit it on the head when she said, what we're doing in some, uh, in some ways here is we're conducting a population-level clinical trial. And I think that's true to some degree. The truth is, is that we don't actually know. We don't have hard answers on things. And so we go with the best evidence that we have. I personally think a little bit of diversity of opinion is healthy. Um, I mean, let's face it. It depends on on your tolerance level. You know, NASI's pointing out that there are issues with um, with thrombosis with with uh, some of these vaccines, and we're not exactly sure what the rate is. Um, overall, I think there's a consensus that uh, it still is vastly right. uh, preferable to take the vaccines, uh, considering the relatively rare risk of blood clots. Okay. So that is a message, but I think it's helpful for Canadians to have informed consent to know that that is a risk. And uh, in a democratic society, sometimes you just have to uh, you have to respect that there's different opinions on things. But definitely, we should have a clearer voice coming from the government speaking. I think to Canadians on such an important issue, right. and we're not hearing. Thank you all for weighing on this. Uh, time short tonight. Thank you all for weighing in on uh, this important conversation. And uh, it's 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 a big decision for a lot of Canadians to have to make, and uh, they're hearing lots of different information. So we'll uh, see how they absorb that. But thank you all for your perspectives tonight. Good to talk to you all. Take care. Thanks, Thank Peter. You, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Dr. Cora Constantinescu is an infectious diseases specialist at the Vaccine Hesitancy Clinic at Alberta's Children's Hospital. She's with me now. Uh, doctor, thanks again for taking time to speak with me uh, today. I appreciate it. Uh, look, you're an expert in vaccine hesitancy, and we've got this nasty advice and the confusion over vaccine safety, uh, competing messages here. Has, is that making your job a whole lot harder? <laughs> well, it's definitely made it a bit busier over the last few days. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, our job as physicians is to support people as they make the decision to vaccinate. And this is a long journey. Um, and every time recommendations change and whenever these recommendations are taken out of context and shared broadly uh, on on uh, on social media and other types of media, it rattles people emotionally. And this is an incredibly emotional decision. Mm. Um, so we are seeing more people come forward and doubt their decision. And um, it also means that we as physicians need to be there for our patients uh, even more than before to support them, answer their questions, and at the end of the day, validate their decisions. We've been doing it for over a year around COVID, right. and um, especially now in this terrible third wave, people need us more than ever because they need to be protected more than ever. So uh, give me a sense of what you're saying to, to, to patients who question. What, what, what is your message if a, if a patient is... Um, you know, considering is being offered either AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson when we get it, and they've heard this mixed messaging around the safety issues, what do you say to them? You know, at the end of the day, this is an incredibly personal decision that every one of us has had to make. So what I always talk to when we talk to patients about this is I ask them to put in the perspective of their own lives and look at the threat of the disease. If you're in a place like Alberta, for example, or Ontario, um, we're seeing the threat of disease and death from this disease higher than ever before. And you put that into the context of knowing that you have a vaccine um, and whether it's a viral vector vaccine or an mRNA vaccine, they've all been shown to be incredibly, incredibly good at preventing hospitalizations and deaths. And at the end of the day, 
these vaccines may very well save your life. And then when you look at what we're dealing with right now in places like Alberta, mm -hmm. and you look at the fact that in places like the UK, where they've broadly vaccinated with AstraZeneca vaccine, they're planning how to reopen their economy. So it's all about that perspective and what the risk of the disease is to you and what this vaccine means to you. So as a, you know, as a, as a specialist in this field, it's uh, clearly following all the advice and the messaging closely. Um, how, do you, how do you view it? When you, when you see NACI say, look, uh, there are preferred vaccines, uh, a couple of vaccines preferred over others, and you should consider your circumstances for taking it. And then you have Health Canada and the Prime Minister saying, look, take the first vaccine that's offered. They're all safe. They've all, they've all been approved. Uh, I mean, how do you how do you measure uh, that guidance uh, as someone who then has to, co has to uh, consult and advise patients? Well, it's just like you said it, you know. Um, at the end of the day, the message has kind of always been the same that said that if we're looking at the threat of this disease, we have vaccines that can save lives. And when that vaccine is available to you, of course it makes sense for you to take it, especially as we're in this third wave. And I view it the same way I always have. At the end of the day, my job is to support people when they make that decision. You know, like one of my friends um, called me, and you know, he's a 42-year-old man um, whose child is isolated at home from a contact with COVID, and he had his AstraZeneca vaccine last week, and and you know he called today almost wanting a validation for that decision, and. Would his decision have been any different today? I don't think so, because at the end of the day, the threat is here. The threat is closer than ever before, and we have vaccines that can save lives. Is there, as you follow this along, and it's not the first, we've, we've had this sort of discrepancy over AstraZeneca now over Johnson & Johnson. Uh, what would your advice be on, on, on the messaging side if, if, if there are legitimate, uh, and I guess what, that's one of the other issues too, do we want... Uh, a volunteer panel of experts uh, that weigh in on some of these safety concerns, or would we rather just not hear from them and, and push ahead? I mean, uh, is, is there value in having this, this group of experts, NACI, uh, weigh in even if sometimes the message is one people don't want to hear? Absolutely. Every country and every vaccine program needs a an independent group of experts who understand the science, who um, can make recommendations on how to use vaccines to different territories and provinces in our country. And, you know, in some ways, um, this, I do believe, has been taken out of context and, and, and shared broadly. But you look back on their previous decision, which was to give one dose of a vaccine and to um, increase the 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 um, the time between the first and the second dose. And you know that decision saved lives. And uh, these guys are working really hard and making really important recommendations and decisions. But as with anything to do with COVID and COVID vaccine, it's you, you have to put it all into perspective and you need to look at the different recommendations. You need to look at va vaccine availability and you need to look each and every one of us has to make a decision that is right for us. And again, 
We're in the third wave. The threat is higher than ever before. We have vaccines that can save lives. In some ways, the message has been the same, and it's not changing. It's just that people need more information and more validation on, on the decision to vaccinate. All right, Dr. Cora Constantinescu, uh, always great to get your perspective. Thanks again for providing it to us today. Appreciate it. No problem. And can I just say yes. personally to you, Peter, I, I know you've had your AstraZeneca yep. shot. And I just want to say thank you. And I want to say thank you because you protected yourself and your family. And um, you've gotten us all a bit closer to community protection. And I think that's the kind of message that Canadians need to hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to make I don't want to make this a, this about me, but I, I've, I've had that experience. But I, I guess what a lot of people uh, who are in my position who've had their first dose, some of them will be wondering, do I still go get a second one now when I'm hearing these different messages? Uh, what would you say? You know, the mixed um, the mixed uh, uh, trials are ongoing right now. So within, you know, I would say in a month, we'll be able to give you some data-driven recommendation. Um, a lot of that will also depend on where the variants are at that time and also where we're at in terms of... Um, uh, in terms of vaccine availability. But right now, you've made the best decision that you could make around getting yourself protected. And I think, I know people don't want to make it about themselves, but vaccine champions are important because it's important for Canadians to hear from others who have made this decision, especially as now there is maybe more doubt and concern around it. So I would urge you to actually share that because it's important for people to hear it. Yeah, I have been sharing it. And uh, I, well, thanks very much for your perspective again. Uh, always good to talk to you. Take care. Yeah, thank you for having me. Have a nice day. Well, the House of Commons spent most of the day today debating a conservative motion calling on the prime minister to fire his chief of staff, Katie Telford, over the fact she was aware of the allegations of sexual misconduct against the former chief of the defense staff back in 2018, but did not tell the prime minister. But when the motion is voted on Wednesday, it's destined to fail because both the Bloc Québécois and the NDP oppose Telford's firing. But the Prime Minister still faced continuing questions today in the House of Commons on the handling of the allegations against Vance. Did the Prime Minister himself know about the allegations against General Vance, or is he satisfied with the cover-up conducted by his Chief of Staff? The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, once again, as a government, we have always taken extremely seriously our responsibility uh, to ensure that survivors who come forward with uh, allegations or experiences of a sexual harassment or sexual assault get properly supported. We have seen time and time again over many years that uh, the processes in place have not been strong enough to support them. We made significant investments uh, and improvements in those processes, but there is more to do, and that is what we are focused on as a government uh, by uh, appointing uh, Justice uh, Arbour uh, and General Carignan. We will continue to make sure we are supporting anyone who comes forward with allegations. Lawyer Michel Drapeau is a former Canadian Forces colonel who specializes in military law, and he has represented former and current military members who have faced sexual misconduct in the forces. He's with me now. Uh, Michel Drapeau, thanks for your time today. It's good to see you again. Uh, what are your thoughts as you, as you watch the latest developments in the fight over political accountability on the allegations of sexual misconduct against the former chief of the defense staff? Um, who knew what and who told who? As, as that plays out, what are you thinking as you watch this? There is confusion in it, and I think we should be looking over and above just the players at play at the moment, uh, because ultimately it's the security uh, of Canada that is at play. I mean, we trusted somebody with the uh, 
with the rank and position of acting as the Chief of Defence Staff, having control over the military establishment, representing Canada in, in NATO, in NORAD, in all, all type of uh, international fora, and also to, uh, to, to define and to, and to prepare against any threat to Canada. A very significant, unique type of position and uh, in command of about 100,000 regulars and reserve forces. I mean, I cannot think of a more important, more significant, more crucial uh, position to, uh, to the defense and security of the country. So how we select this individual and how do we react when something, in fact, touches upon its integrity, its capacity to, to continue serving in this unique position? Uh, and if there are lessons to be learned and we need to go to the bottom of it to make sure that uh, measures are put into place, yeah. that we don't commit the same error again. Let, and what I see at the moment is a sort of a laissez-faire. We don't know uh, what happened when allegations and misconduct, serious they are, were brought to the attention of uh, of members of, of, uh, of this particular government, right. aid the minister, PCO, eventually PMO, and eventually the Prime Minister. And it seems that nothing has been done and nobody is accountable for, obviously, a major act of omission. I mean, there was a lack of, of any action, corrective action, preventative action taken. And, and surely we need to know as a nation, as a as an advanced democracy, as somebody, in fact, okay. who's concerned with the rule of law and concerned with the reputation of our armed forces. Are, are you, and, and that troubles me. Are you satisfied the, the, the PMO and the PCO and the Minister of Defence, uh, based on where we are in uh, the, the hunt for uh, testimony and answers here, uh, that they did everything they could have and should have to investigate the allegation back then and since then? An allegation that came with a few details and a, and a complainant who at the time didn't want to be identified because she was worried about her career. They haven't. Uh, I mean, they fail in their individual and collective duty. To begin with, the Ministry of National Defence, I think he had a positive duty, if not to investigate, I think he had, and he had the power to do so, at the very least to ensure that the Prime Minister, his boss, was made aware of it, either through uh, one of his staff or through... Uh, the intervention of either PCO or PMO official, but ultimately, on a tight to tight or a phone call to the Prime Minister, I need to make you aware of and then decide together as to what needs to be done. You can just, uh, you know, ignore it and just let it be. And this is what happened at the moment. And, and it's concerning because you kind of wonder is this the, the kind of thing that our senior uh, leadership in the armed forces at the political levels are dealing with a crisis in leadership? And obviously, it, it certainly doesn't allow any one of us to have a, a, a sense of confidence into their capacity and willingness to exercise not only the powers, but the, responsi the responsibility that they okay. each have. The, the prime minister and his ministers uh, prefer to move forward in, in the narrative now, promising to do better at reforming the culture of uh, the military in this country with another review, this one done by former Justice Louise Arbour. Do you support that approach? No, I don't. I mean, anybody who commits such a major errors wants to move forward, wants to have no accountability, wants to ensure, in fact, you can clean the site clean and then allow them, in fact, to proceed. I think there are lessons to be learned. I don't think we can redo the past, uh, but we certainly can learn from it and we can certainly make sure that there is accountability taking place. So if and when this occurs, not only with the CDS, but any other office holder at such a significant position, whether it be the head of the RCMP or CSIS or whatever, that there is in fact a process in place regardless of what political affiliation it is and whoever 
happens to be subject of allegation, but action is taken and is taken in a in a in a you know in a set way. Right. And but, at the moment, but Justice Arbour, right? Justice Arbour, that's that's now apparently her mandate is to look at an outside independent reporting process uh, that the government did not put in place after Justice Desange's report uh, five years ago. So, I mean, I mean, do you support the process to get us there, or do you think uh, they're kicking the can down the road here? No, I don't. I don't. I don't at all. Absolutely at all. There is sufficient knowledge and sufficient experience shared by our, our, our allies that provides us with an opportunity to fact to clean house and to make sure there is an external process uh, put into place. I'm certainly alluding to the creation of Inspector General. We don't need another study to, to come up to that. What do we call it? An Inspector General something else is, it doesn't really matter. It's external and it's reporting to Parliament. Now, Madame Arbour will not look at the procedures used within PMO and PCO. Her task is to look at the Defence Department and to provide them with advice on an ongoing basis as to about the professional conduct and, and, and the sexual misconduct that is happening in the Defence Department. And most of the recommendations, if any, are going to be a repeat what Madame Deschamps' excellent and comprehensive report was made in 2015. All the, the defense minister and the government is doing at the moment is trying to buy time and basically playing footsie with the Canadian public electorate and saying, trust us, uh, maybe we'll forget and maybe by the time the next election okay. comes around, we will be able to turn the page. The 100,000 Canadian military who are currently serving in the forces expect better and, and more prudent leadership from both the military and the civilian leaders at what they're getting at the moment. Right. Those of us who are retired, is about 200,000 veterans are certainly are deprived of the pride that we have into the military service that us and our, and our fathers and grandfathers have done and expect better, much better management and leadership from both, again, the civilian and the military leadership that we're currently having. Okay. All right. Michel Drapeau, uh, good to talk to you tonight. Thanks for taking the time. We'll talk okay. again. Thank you. And that is all the time we have for this edition of Primetime Politics. I'm Peter Van Dusen. From all of us here at CPAC, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.